0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org.
1: O merciful Lord, when justice demanded that we bear the full weight of our sin, you sent your Son, Jesus, to stand condemned in our place. Give us such an appreciation for his selfless action that we may rejoice in His grace and use wisely the freedom which He purchased by carrying upon Himself the whole burden of our sin and death, through Your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with You in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So as a recap for some of our friends who are joining us today, uh, we are making our way really through the passion of Christ, the, that holy week. Uh, particularly the time of uh, so far, uh, Christ's betrayal in the garden, where uh, Judas hands Jesus over to the authorities. Uh, the uh, denial of Jesus last week with Peter, uh, denying Jesus several times. And uh, as we go through these times together, one of the challenges placed upon us is to see ourselves in the story and to consider how Judas-like we are at times in betraying Christ. And we do that in lots of different ways. We uh, betray him by, uh, betrayal and denial here are are pretty close, but we, we betray him by really handing him over. I find sometimes in our lack of witness uh, to others who would manipulate his truth. Ever think of it that way? So someone else is representing Jesus contrary to who Jesus is, and we stand idly by and kiss Jesus while they do it. One example. Or we deny Jesus. Perhaps a little easier. We'd let Last week, we took an opportunity to sort of see the depths of denial versus sort of the ignorant denial. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, then it's more of the curse denial. Then it's an oath denial or, or one or the other there. And we have to really look within our own hearts and say, when are there times that we're doing that as well? Uh, when do we play ignorant to our faith? When do we... Um, when do we... S- vehemently try to, to, to help someone be convinced that we're not as religious as they think we are, <laughs> right? You can kind of see the categories that we go in there. Today, we're going to see uh, Jesus before Pilate and uh, this condemnation of Jesus before Pilate. So if you can turn to Luke 23, and we're going to read uh, different aspects of Luke 23, not the whole Luke 23. We've been in Matthew, but uh, you have all tended to like Luke. So I switched to Luke today. The good thing about these events is that they are written in different places for us to give us a fuller picture of what has happened. Pastor Beck.
0: Um, uh, Next incident in the Gospel of Matthew is Judas hanging himself. Uh, I wouldn't like to bring this up, but... You have two suicides down in Parkland, Florida, of ones that escaped the shooting. Another one up in Connecticut, of one was near those that were shot. I think there's just, you need to comment, maybe not today, comment something about how suicide is a poor choice.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, if if we are to witness, tell, and through our deaths, then I think the best witness is how you do it.
1: Uh, fair enough. Let's take a moment then to to first go back to the example of Peter and the example of Judas. So both are con- both are condemned, if you will, because of their sinfulness, and uh, and yet. Both respond very differently uh, in their desperation. Peter responds through weeping and repentance, if you will, and Judas responds with the despair of hopelessness in taking his own life. Many will point to those events in Scripture and say, uh, "This is the this is the vast difference between those who live." With a sense of hope, and those who do not, right? I would separate those events from the events that we see in uh, in our in the news that Pastor has brought up today. Um, having walked with people through times of suicide, either because they've attempted it or because They've had family members attempt it, some succeed, some not succeed. I think it's fair to say that we've learned a lot about folks in that moment, right? And um, and I would suggest that they're not, not everyone is always in their right mind in that moment and in their act of desperation make poor choices and it is certainly important to say that taking our life is never the answer. It's never the answer to our problem. Um, Probably the hardest funeral I ever had to preach was someone who took their own life. And I remember calling my vicarage pastor and saying, I'm really struggling here with what to say. And, um, And you may agree or not agree, but his advice was, Um, our salvation is not determined by the manner of our death. Salvation is determined by the manner of Christ's death. Uh, So so I would say to you that I certainly have counseled many a people, and I'm happy to say to you today that, um, no, we uh, we should not take our own lives. That is not our right, it's not our authority. Our lives, we are stewards of the life that God has blessed us with, and our lives are not our own. They are gifts from God. It's the Lord who gives it, and it's the Lord who takes it away. Period. But I am not willing to condemn somebody, um, unwilling to know their state of mind or heart in the moment that that occurred, and would yield them to the grace of God and His mercies uh, in that moment. One of the most beautiful sermons I ever heard was after my cousin's funeral where he took his own life. And the Catholic priest, uh, who 10 years before would never have even taken the funeral, (laughs) uh, gave a beautiful liturgy and witness to that. Um, That said, for those of us who are here today, I agree. Our lives are a living witness to Jesus Christ. They just are. And we have an opportunity, even in our death, to give witness to Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of the most powerful witnesses have been by the bedside of people where they have proclaimed and exclaimed their confidence in who their Savior is and their peace of knowing that whether they live or die, they belong to the Lord. And we all have that opportunity, not just to put something in our will. I know that's a popular thing now. If you can do it, great. Put a testimony in your will. But to let your families know that um, my life is not my own, and I will live in the glory of the Father. That we have a member who has not asked to make things public yet, so I won't tell you who it is, who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the first thing that she said to me was, Hey, everything's okay, Pastor. I know my future, right? That is the power of witness and death as well. Uh, so, so, Pastor, thanks for giving us the opportunity to consider it. Uh, ironically enough, I just read an article last week that among teenagers, suicide rate is increasing uh, way too quickly. I don't remember the exact number. Um, and the article was sort of based on the, is, it, is it screen time, is it social media, is it those kinds of things. It didn't really come to a conclusion to it, but it was giving the stats that this is on the rise, right? And I will say that uh, to bring this to a close, I do think that we maybe could do a better job as the church, Christendom, um, when we talk about stewardship, Right, the stewardship of of the gifts of God to recall that our to remind ourselves that our life is not our own. The same the same pastor who taught me that I called about that uh, funeral. I, Gail and I went to a parenting class when we were on Vicarage. We weren't we didn't have a child yet, uh, but we were going to. We knew we were. That was an awkward day because the, the day we found out we were pregnant with Jack, it just so happened that our vicarage pastor was coming over to change the lock on our apartment for us. And we literally just found out we were having a baby. And he he's like, he comes in, we were like, hello? Nothing's happened here, you know? <laughs> so we told him a week later, he goes, you guys were weird that day, just so you know. Um, so we went to the parenting class because we thought, well, we should – We we should learn something about parenting, right? And he does, and maybe we should have him come and do it. Um, He does an excellent job of teaching that your children are not your own. You are stewards of their lives by the grace of God. uh, And that, therefore then, you are not your own. What God has given you, you're a steward of. So another thing that I get... Pastor back a lot is when I visit, you know, 110 year old people and they say, Why am I still here? You know? And uh, a few of them, I wonder the same thing. Um, but the first answer to that question is because your life is not your own. And therefore, be a steward of the life God has given you. Right? And if we lived in that mindset, I think we would have different decision-making on lots of different things in our lives, right? And about our bodies and health and those kind of things too. So, thank you, Pastor. Luke 23. Uh, I'm going to read it. We're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, Then the whole... This is... uh, Sorry, Luke 23, verse 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. Jump over to 13. We're skipping Herod. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who, has been, who, has been, who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Crucify him! Crucify him! Third time, he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. For they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, But he delivered Jesus over to their will.
2: Great day for justice. (laughs) Okay, what'd you hear? Don't forget, Larry's got to come to you. What'd you hear? What was interesting to you? What's challenging to you? Karin, we're coming to you. I hear a man in Pilot who really doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He's being pushed in a direction he doesn't want to go, but he sees the insistence of a mob crowd.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you do kind of get that sense that Pilot's trying to help him out. I had to go to uh, court last week with one of our friends, and um, the... The judge, you could tell the judge was really trying to help the prosecutor, right or wrong. The prosecutor needed a little help in this particular case. And the judge didn't play her full hand, but she was just trying to, you know, have you, maybe you should ask the question in this way. He, you know, just kind of helping along. You kind of feel like pilots trying to say, look, I'm trying to help this guy out, and yet I'm being pressured the one way. Okay, yeah.
3: My thoughts on this are sort of tempered. A book I read titled Pontius Pilate by Paul Meyer.
1: Yeah. One of our... Good guy.
3: Good guy. Many good, interesting books.
1: He can give a whole lecture without one note.
3: Wonderful guy.
1: And just like, yeah, in 1712, this happened. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Anyway, he looked at this uh, episode through the eyes of Pontius Pilate. What were the Romans doing? How would they proceed? And, of course, their whole concept was... Conquer the people, keep them happy then with an iron hand. Right. Hold down over, any yeah. kind of indication even of a rebellion. Yeah. And that is, of course, why he would give in. Is Hey, this guy is free, but hey, what's one man? I'm, i got to keep peace in the empire.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and on top of that, um, if it got back to just pilot's boss that he was letting a king right get away <laughs> it wouldn 't like that too much. not that the
2: king was anything more yeah 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 Linda um, It just strikes me it said twice that he wanted to that he wasn 't guilty i 'll just punish him and release him. I had <laughs> yeah, a lot of our. Uh, justice standards from Rome.
0: And I just thought, what's that about?
1: Yeah, he's not guilty, but I'll still give him some kind of punishment to appease you. Uh, Gord, Pastor Beck over there,
2: Larry. Yeah, Pilate's
0: question reveals the—I uh, believe you tell me—the uh, concern from a Roman point of view: Are you a king? Kings were not
2: permitted in the Roman
1: Right. Right. Yeah. You, Pilate shows his cards, right? He shows you what he's concerned about. He doesn't care if he's the Messiah. <laughs> That's of no consequence to him. Um, he wants to know are you a rebel rouser? Do you think you're. By the way, there is a king of the Jews, and it's not you. We, we, we got the puppet over here, right? And um, and by the way, we like him because he doesn't do anything. You're doing stuff. So. That's a problem, right? Okay. Someone else? Didn't have your Wheaties today? You're quite Greg. Greg's back refreshed from his travels. <laughs> by the you. way, I was not in court for our friend, just so you know, when you heard me tell the story. It was not our friend. Okay, We have a friend, not that friend. <laughs> yeah, Mary's like, thank God. I see a, a thing in Pilate
0: in this that I frankly hadn't thought of before, and that he's, he seems to me to be a very fearful man in this, He's fearful not only of, of the system that he's a part of, but also about uh, convicting a man of something that he sees no guilt in, and he's... Later on, of course, when he washes his hands, he's trying to absolve himself from any involvement because he doesn't see how, potentially, how this could go anything but
1: wrong. Yeah, you do get a sense um, that that Pilate has some decency to to kind of exonerate Jesus, right? Yet, (laughs) you also see that he's a politician. And um, sometimes, the, the well, the squeaky wheel wins the day, right? And sometimes the people shouting the most win the day. Just look at our own politics, right? Um, you have, you have uh, not only do you have people shouting, but you've got now social media today. And the, wind bl- the winds blow quicker than they've ever blown before. That's why I think it's wise that Jesus... Okay, we should pause every once in a while and say, because Jesus might be trying to correct me. You know? uh, don't, no, don't be sorry. It goes back to a sermon I did. A, when was it? I was talking about that at any moment Jesus could say something. We should be ready for Jesus to say something to us, and somebody's cell phone went off. And I kept going, and I stopped, and I said, I guess we should at least consider that might be Jesus calling, you know, to be ready for Jesus, you know. Um, so uh, I think there's wisdom in our politician, I'm, I think there's wisdom in the politician today. And Pilate does this, who slows everything down. Right? Whether I agree with the with the politician or not, I'm a I am like to study people. I'm a I'm a student of people, and I'm a student of conversation of words. I, that's that intrigues me. So when I watch some of these things, often I don't necessarily have have a, a, an opinion more than like, well, that was interesting. Right? Um, so whether you agree with the governor of Virginia or not, the brilliance is he has, he has slowed everything down. Right? And Pilate's done the same thing. What, he, sends, he sends Jesus to Herod. But you're all very, I see you're all very upset here. Let's see what Herod has to say. Now, it didn't work out for Jesus. Right? Uh, but that's what he tries to do. And then ultimately what we see is even though Pilate has, does have a sense of decency, or at least it seems like he may... He, he's got to run a town, you know. He's got to run a providence here, and that's happened. Karen,
2: yeah. Two things: Jesus knows what has to happen. Jesus is acquiescing to yeah. the whole process. Or Pilate, I think, politician or not, it's a lose lose.
1: Yeah. And this is what I have always struggled with. Uh, over here, Larry. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, and then Krista, but here first, yeah. Harriet, wait one second. Okay. Um, I have always struggled. And I mean, it's struggling a good way. We know, Pilate doesn't know what we know about Jesus, right? Um, and clearly the crowd doesn't know <laughs> what we know about Jesus. And frankly, if Jesus doesn't do this, then we're not here. In this capacity. So, I do think sometimes the challenge for us when we read this, and especially when you all make a commitment to come on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and on Easter, because it is all one event. Put that in now. If you feel a little guilty, good. Um, No one taught me that. Um, I try not to get myself to invest it in that exact moment. But I try to then, what I try to do is get invested in why he has to do it. Right? So I'm slow to make accusations about the crowd. I'm slow to make accusations about the other characters. And I first, as Pastor Beck suggested we do the first week, I first put myself in there and say, This whole event has to occur because of me and my sin, right? It has to occur because of you and your sin. That, to me, is the first way we look at that, right? Harry,
2: It
0: seems very much to me like this is a proud mentality where people have have something to talk about or they're angry about something. So they gather together, and as soon as one person says something, Oh yeah that's right and I say this and it's, it's not unlike reading a newspaper today about sure. a crowd of people anywhere
1: sure yeah and it and it takes it really takes going into that crowd right and talking to people in the crowd to actually understand where they are on the issue right sure i was uh studying at concordia bronxville you're only 45 minutes from manhattan so i was in the city I think I was with my sister. Oh, I spoke to my sister yesterday and my brother-in-law, and the cancer is shrinking. Really good. Uh, He's—it's really knocked him out, but we'll take that, right? Um, and we were—we were sightseers, we're like, ah, you know, which you shouldn't do, and we're like this, and we didn't see that this <laughs> this crowd of people started. So all of a sudden, we're walking with the crowd of people, and we find ourselves at the UN. Protesting something. I didn't even know I was protesting. Right? But we were in it. <laughs> we were in it. So, yeah, Chris. I had also gone to the crowd and just
2: so Pilate himself says, I don't find anything wrong with this man.
1: He's not done anything wrong. And their reaction is kill him. Yeah. And give us this guy who was thrown in prison for murdering people. Right. Um, just the level of vitriol the there, and, and hatred and fear, to to escalate to that yeah. point. And th- I, let's sit there for a moment, right? Don't forget, for a good three years, at least two and a half years. Let's say, let's say two years. These leaders have been trying to find a way to bring Jesus down. It's not that Jesus just got to Jerusalem, like, we don't like that guy, right? They have been seeking and finding and pointing and collecting and gathering in anger, right? Jesus interrupts their stability. Is that not a sermon? Jesus interrupts their stability. And he, they want to bring him down. And so it, here we see the crescendo. Of the depth of their hatred for who Jesus is and what he represents, so much so that they 're willing to uh, reveal to us uh, the uh, the depth of how low they 're willing to go to finally silence jesus and that is in essence i, I don 't doubt that some of those leaders thought Jesus to be guilty, blasphemy, heresy, whatever. But they, but they know Bar- Barnabas deserves, Barabbas, not Barnabas, Barabbas deserves what he gets. And we're going to come back to that because there's also some other imagery I want to point out to you. John.
3: It's interesting that uh, what's happening today happened then. People twist the truth to give weight to their accusations because they said Jesus said, not to give any tribute to Caesar, and that's not true. He said that very thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They they actually lie, right? Uh, if you've been in Bible study with me before, there are certain sayings of Bill Harmon that you've gotten used to. If you'd like to come to a staff meeting, they like to list all the Bill Harmon sayings. Uh, they'd be happy to share with you. But This I say, which is there's nothing new here. Right? John's pointing out there's nothing new here. Uh,
2: Angry, vicious
1: people, not that you have to be vicious, angry people uh, will sometimes say whatever they need to say to get what they want. And my guess is. We've all been guilty of that on some level in here, right? I, I have, regrettably. And, um, and yeah, they, 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 know, they know Jesus didn't say, don't pay taxes. In fact, he said the opposite, but they're trying to build a case against him.
0: Steve? I've always been curious about the prisoners. Why
1: did they demand uh, Barabbas to be released? in place of Jesus. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, I'm gonna open up the file here. It was because of the feast, right? It was the day it was the day it just happened to be around when they would it was customary to let somebody go. And Barabbas won the Powerball.
2: Jesus lost. For the record,
1: the Powerball is very high, and I expect any of you who plays and wins to tie the significant portion of that Powerball to the Bill Harmon Retirement Fund, okay? Oh, no, I mean the King of Glory. King of Glory, I'm sorry. It's the King of Glory. Listen, if you get $750 million, you could give a little to the Retirement Fund too, all right? I let, yeah, Mary. Yeah, please. Please. Hold on, get away from the mic. There you go.
2: The difference between the translation of NIV and ESV.
1: Yeah, let's hear it.
2: On, are you the king of the Jews? Yeah. Uh, In the ESV, it says, you have said so. Right. In NIV, it says, yes, it is as you say. Yeah. So it's really in a. Opposing response, it seems to me, or different.
1: Yeah, I think, does anyone have another translation? But you've got that weird one, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yours says yes. Somebody else? Oh, that's probably what he said. <laughs> Thou sayest it," he said, he probably said it in a British accent too. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth, you say so. Does anyone? I don't. I'd, I'd have to have someone help me look at the Greek. it did pass Greek, uh, but this is Pastor. Do you have it? Can you let us know what it says? All right, I'll give you some time. We'll come. Now we'll come back to him. He's going to need a few minutes. <laughs> and frankly. Pastor, whatever you say, we'll believe because uh, no one else can read it. So here's my hunch. My hunch is that it's not yes. My, my hunch is that yes gives Pilate a case to kill him. My hunch is that it's ambiguous enough that it's you've said that, not me. You know? Uh, Pastor, when you have it, just raise your hand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some other things as we go along, okay? So back to the beginning. Uh, first. Um, we, we hear the case that the Jewish leaders, this is kind of important, we, we now see the case they've decided to bring against Jesus. They've got a whole lots of, lot of things they could say, but the case that they bring against Jesus, excuse me, is, ba, 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 um, we have found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. And saying that he himself is a king. So he's interrupting our own people. He will not let us pay tribute to Caesar, as John has reminded us, is a lie. And they're not dumb. He says he's a king. So that's the case after two and a half, three years, they've chosen to bring to the authorities against Jesus. Okay? Um, The picture Luke paints um, is at once congruent with the narrative and it's historically believable in this sense. Um, This is traditional Roman law. Uh, Accusations are made, uh, charges formulated, a defense opportunity is given, a judgment is made. It was very common. Pastor.
0: Actually, it's a participle, a genitive. Are you saying you are the king of. And what does
2: Jesus say? And he answered him, You say I am.
1: That's from the Greek, which would be the best translation we have. Yeah, the Greek through Gordon Beck. <laughs> Pretty good. that's a Beck too. Yeah. Um again, I think it I think that it go, it goes with the narrative of if he says outright yes, it's an issue, right? The Jewish authorities exercise, I think this is kind of interesting too, to kind of get close to a line but not go across the line, but I'm going to say it. The Jewish authorities exercise a political leadership that is religiously legitimated um, in that to undermine their religious views is to submit to their politics. So we were talking about Pilate before. Pilate has an interesting challenge, right? This is a pretty large religious block. In his town, in his area, and therefore a pretty large political block. And yes, Roman rule is heavy, but they also relied on the leaders, the local leaders, to help keep that peace. So Pilate does have an opportunity here to appease a voting block that he may not agree with in order to gain something greater. Sound familiar? Yeah. And the same as we heard from Fred, the same is true with Rome. Rome's job, the whole concept is the peace of Rome, right? Um, they, they thought, Romans thought that the peace of Rome was a divine sanction. You know, they, by the oh way, sound familiar? <laughs> they They thought they were the greatest... Empire in the world, by the way, they were at that time, but they thought it was from God. And therefore, the whole Roman ethos itself was grounded in a religious quality. Uh, So, both the Jews and the Romans have much to lose if Jesus wins. Right? If Jesus wins, Uh, The the Jews look like fools, and they have to, to in essence, concede that he is a king, right? Uh, And all their plans are ruined. If Jesus wins, then the Romans are wrong about their divine right to have peace in their empire and who they are as an empire. You can't help but think if Pilate thinks about that a little bit, too. The caution there, and, and I don't think there's anything new, the caution there is for Christians, there is only one kingdom that is greatest.
2: It's heaven. It's heaven. It's heaven, everybody. It's,
1: it's Jesus. Let me say it that way. Um, I, look, I love I love the United States of America, and my father right now say this is the greatest country in the world. And to prove it, he'd pull out a World Book Encyclopedia and open it up and show us from. I think the encyclopedia was printed in like 1912. He'd show us this is this right here, you know. Uh, and I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. But it's, it's important that, and we can love. By the way, we're called we're called to. Pray for our leaders and to respect those in authority. So this is not, this is not that talk. Please don't hear it that way. Um, what I'm saying, though, is for Christendom, the kingdom that we long for is the kingdom of Christ. Period. It's not Jerusalem. It's not D.C. It's not Paris. It's not, yeah, right. Not any of that. We, and we've got it wrong plenty of times. Don't get me wrong. It certainly could, and I, I think we can certainly make a case that Jesus isn't denying it, right? That would be a lie. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't lie, but nor does he have to totally concede to the wording they want, right? And I could almost, there's two, there's two issues that the Sanhedrin have here. One is, they've already determined he's guilty before he even comes in, right? One, and two, um, uh, they already know the answer to their question. So what they're going to say, my guess is if we could hear the rest of the story, someone in there probably said, see, he didn't deny it, right? So he must believe it. Let's go on and take him there, right? So let's keep going then on one verses 1 through 5. Um, the Sanhedrin does seem to be having some solidarity here because now they come as a group. The whole company, verse 1, comes over to Pilate. They charge him with misleading, another translation might be perverting the nation, um, and leading us astray. By the way, interesting enough, in Exodus 5, Moses is accused of leading the people astray, and in 1 Kings 18, Elijah is accused of leading the people astray. When did the three of them get together? Transfiguration, Right? So I find that kind of fascinating that they had that opportunity and accused of the same thing. Uh, they accuse him of taking the divine authority to lead the people of Israel. This is the crux of what's really bothering the people of Jerusalem, not, or the leaders. Not only is it he's saying he's the Messiah, but somehow he thinks he's divinely appointed to be the Messiah, to be the king. Really bothers them. And by the way, that would bother the Romans, too, uh, on some level. On the whole taxes thing, you know, go back. to If you went to chapter 20, you'd see that he actually said to pay your taxes. I don't know why he said that, but he did, you know. Uh, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, right? Uh, and, um, and the like. We're going to go on because of time. So uh, verse 3, and Pilate said, are you the king? You have said so. Pilate goes, Pilate goes right to the charge, are you the king? Um, Jesus turns the question posed to him into an ironic affirmation about him. Ironic because even though the question uh, assesses Jesus' identi- identity correctly, it is an identity not granted by those who ask it. So that's a really academic way of saying, They know the answer, and they don't even believe the answer. So the Sanhedrin then presses on, and um, they want something done about it, right? Go to verse 5 for a moment. But they were urgent, saying, he stirs up the people teaching throughout Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. I find that interesting. Interesting. Uh they're, they're saying to Pilate, in essence, he's not just a problem here. They're trying to show Pilate in building their case that throughout, he's gaining momentum throughout the kingdom, throughout the empire. He's uh, in Galilee and Judea and now here in Jerusalem. You could imagine... Doesn't say this, We can imagine. How much further are you willing to let this go, Pilate? We've not been able to stop him. We've been trying to stop him for two, three years. We've come to you now. Pilate, I think, gives an appropriate response. Uh, you all deal with this. This is an internal matter. Deal with it. Uh, Herod doesn't deal with it. Comes back to Pilate. They're all there again. And here are some of the ironies I want you to see in uh, verses 13 and following. I'm going to go a little quickly here just to, to get us through. Um, the larger, there now seems to be a larger audience than just the Sanhedrin. Um, they are rejecting Jesus and aligning themselves with Barabbas. That tells something about who they are. Uh, they are branding Jesus as a fake prophet. And therefore, the Sanhedrin introduces the death penalty in a direct way, which goes back to Deuteronomy 13. If you go back to Deuteronomy, if you are a false prophet, if you are uh, a prophet against God, you deserve death. So that's how they deal with this. They have Deuteronomy 13 to help them with that. Um, Pilate says, you know what, look, let's just flog him. (laughs) You know. That's just, right? He's innocent, but we'll just flog him um, to give him some disciplinary action and to appease the people, right? They say, Away with this fellow. Turn to Isaiah 53. I'm really pushing the time here. I want you to see this. Isaiah 53. By the way, if you're really interested in this, you come tonight. It's usually a completely different study. So. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? Isaiah 53, 8, I'm going to read it for you. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off, cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. So here Isaiah is giving us the, the prophecy of what's going to happen to Jesus, that, that he is going to be taken away and that he will ultimately uh, be led to death. Here's a couple things I find interesting. Uh, don't you find that three times Pilate tries to claim the innocence of Jesus? Three times Peter denies Jesus. See the, the theme here? And finally for today, uh, I think, I, I tend to think pastorally that Barabbas is us. Uh, it's one thing that the guy gets to get away, that kind of thing. But it, it's, there, there is an imagery. So if you look at the life of Jesus, there are constantly peaks into what he ultimately will do and achieve. Right, And we've talked about some of them in church. The baptism of Jesus. He stands in the water where people have already repented their sins. He is sinless. Their filth poured upon him. Right. A peak in what he'll do. Uh, transfiguration. He's on the mountain, his divine glory, but he comes down the mountain to bring salvation. A peak of what he's going to do. And even here, right before he's about to do it, we see a peak. We see the guilty set free by the
2: innocent. I'm going to go further.
1: We see a murderer set free. What is Barabbas accused of? Murder and what? An insurrection, rousing up the people. I, I actually think if you want, in your Lenten journey, this is an opportunity for you to say, how am, I, how am I murderous? People's reputations, people's feelings, people's whatever, right? And how do I stir up insurrection? And by the way, I'm, I'm preaching now. Goss, gossip, um, half-truths, um, agendas, right? And those are subtle things. I, th- I really want to think about how am I Barabbas? And then to think, wow, even though I'm Barabbas, I'm set free. He dies for me, right? Jesus' life is exchanged for Barabbas. Jesus' life is exchanged for you, for you, right? Uh, I think it's an important opportunity for us to really consider what's happening. By the way, I, I think it is important you know, crucifixion is horrible.
2: And you know, lest we think
1: you know Ephis writes first he's a first century Jewish historian. He writes that hundreds of Jews were crucified. Uh Solely because, wow, I really believe Jesus is trying to call us. I mean, it's like everybody. Um, so, Josephus says that hundreds of Jews were killed solely because um, the, Roman, the Romans wanted order. You get a sense of who we're dealing with, too, right? So, your homework, should you want it, is to contemplate where we fit in that story, and to consider that just as Christ's life is exchanged for such a man as Barabbas, his life is exchanged for such a person as you as well. Thank you for
0: listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.